0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I saw a a photo this week that uh, caught my eye because it was a still shot of a TV newscast um, from a station in Toledo, my hometown. The headline on the screen behind the anchors read, Cheeseburger Stabbing. Since I wasn't there to hear the story, I had to wonder if, well, someone stabbed someone else over a cheeseburger. Or someone stabbed someone else with a cheeseburger. Or someone stabbed a cheeseburger. Or a cheeseburger stabbed someone. Or a cheeseburger stabbed another cheeseburger. Well, a quick news search found that on July 6th in Arrow Maine, a man was arrested and charged with aggravated assault when he allegedly grabbed a wood chisel and tried to stab another man who fortunately only received a torn shirt and a scratch. The fight was indeed over a cheeseburger, and police say alcohol was involved, do you think? Uh, Context. You know, it turns out someone tried to stab somebody else over a cheeseburger. Uh, Context is important. It's often helpful and sometimes crucial information we need to know. And this morning it's helpful to uh, help us understand the gospel reading we have. You know, we catch Jesus already in a discussion with his disciples A man had just come to him asking what good thing he should do uh, to inherit eternal life. Turns out it was a young man, and he's wealthy. Jesus tells him, keep the commandments. And the man asks, well, which ones? Jesus tosses out a few, and the man replies, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? Uh, Because he was young, he'd probably inherited his wealth, but it doesn't seem to have spoiled him. Uh, He was sincerely interested in, in spiritual things. Along with most of the people of his day, though, he believed that eternal life was something you had to deserve, something you had to earn. Uh, and he was up for the challenge, but not for the answer. Uh, Mark tells us, uh, Mark's uh, version of this story, Jesus looked at him and loved him. This young man thought all he had to do was add one more work to the, a good work to the pile, and he'd be in. What he didn't understand that what he really needed to do was not add to, but rather take off. He had to strip off all the garments of his own righteousness and put on the righteousness Christ would purchase for him with his own shed blood. So go, Jesus tells him, sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. It was a total opposite of everything the young man had been taught. And Matthew tells us that he went away sad. So the young man has just left, but the lesson is just beginning. Jesus explains to his disciples that the love of money should be uh, considered from the perspective of or in the context of eternity. And eternity in heaven is way more valuable. Now the largest animal the disciples probably would have been familiar with was a camel. And the smallest opening they would have been familiar with was the eye of a needle. And so Jesus tells them that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples are astonished, and they ask, them, who can be saved? With man it is impossible, Jesus tells them, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And his point is that it's not only the rich people who are unable to save themselves. Salvation comes only through the grace of God, um, by faith in Jesus Christ. They'd witnessed this young man walking away because he wasn't ready to leave it all behind and follow Jesus. But the disciples had. Peter was the first to get that. He understood that they'd already done what Jesus told the young man to do. They'd left it all behind to follow Jesus. And he says so. He says, what then will we have? You know, surely thinking about the Lord's promise of, of treasure. Uh, And Jesus tells him that in God's way of salvation, they'll receive treasure worth a hundred times what they left behind. But many who are first will be last, he says, and the last first. Of course, before too long, Judas Iscariot, who would have been standing there with them, would be an example of the former, and the thief on the cross, an example of the latter. God's economy of grace is completely different from what we know in this world. So Jesus launches into a story to help them understand, or maybe to help them remember. That story is our gospel reading this morning. An updated version might be about a contractor who ran out to pick up some day laborers. What kind of work is it, they ask. Well, he said it's hard, hot, dirty work. Oh, well, I don't know, they say. I'll pay you $100 each. Now, if it really updated the story, then one of the men would probably have come forward and said something like, um, I can make more money than that on unemployment. Um, did I say uh, $100, the contractor asked? Uh, I meant $200. Two crisp new $100 bills. And with that, he points to the six biggest, strongest-looking men there, and they jump into the back of his pickup, and out they go to the work site. But the contractor was working against the deadline. City inspector was due out the next morning, and it was beginning to look like rain. So a few hours later, he goes back to the pickup point to get some more help. As the sky turns darker, he heads back a few hours later to pick up the remaining stragglers, still looking for work, men who hadn't even bothered to show up in the morning, who were only there because their wives had thrown them out of the house. To tell the truth, they looked like they were hoping no one would offer them work. But the contractor's desperate to be finished, and so he loads them up, hoping he can get at least a couple hours' work out of them um, for the time remaining in the day. Well, when the end of the day arrives, all the men line up to be paid. Of course, the men who were barely there long enough to break a sweater first in line. About that moment, immigration authorities arrive in response to an anonymous phone call they received, and they're all arrested, including the contractor, and nobody gets paid. (laughs) No, that's not the. That's not really the way it happened. No, they each receive an envelope um, with two crisp $100 bills inside. Next came the workers who were picked up second. They each receive an envelope, and inside they find two crisp new $100 bills. Now, by this time, the workers who'd been there since sunrise, the ones who had produced the most work and had swept through the heat of the day, are expecting a pretty big bonus from this generous contractor. If it wasn't for their hard work, the job would have never gotten finished. They receive their envelopes, and inside they find two crisp new $100 bills. What's up with this, they ask. We work longer and harder than any of the others. Why should we receive the same pay? It's not fair. What do you mean, not fair, the contractor says. Didn't you agree to work for $200? That's exactly what you got. Can I pay the others what I want? It's my money. Or are you just jealous because I'm so generous? Not fair. Not just. Now you decide. They have a point, right? The men who worked half a day should receive half a day's wages. And the men who were only there a couple hours ought to be paid for just a couple of hours. That would be fair, right? When Peter asked Jesus about the disciples' reward for leaving everything behind to follow him, He was assured that they would be generously rewarded. Jesus told him, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now Jesus began the story of the vineyard workers with the kingdom of heaven is like. That's the way it is with the work we do in the Lord's vineyard. His grace offers a job to the unemployed. The workers don't fill out a job application. The owner of the vineyard comes looking for them, and when he finds them, he invites them to come and work in his vineyard. And the salaries aren't based on merit. At the end of the day, every worker receives the same reward, whether they worked all day or only for an hour. Now, Jesus' parable was pretty much true to life, except for the part with generous, the generous vineyard owner uh, was common to hire extra help at harvest time we can totally relate to the surprise and the indignation of the workers who had labored all day for the same denarius given to them as those who only worked an hour or so. You know, in our world and in our life experience, it just doesn't seem fair. Well, what is fair? You know, the Kansas City Chiefs' 10th overall draft pick in 2017. 10th uh, pick just received a 10-year contract extension for something like $500 million. Beginning in the 2022 season, um, 24-year-old quarterback Patrick Mahomes will be paid $45 million a year. Is that fair? Did I mention they only play one game a week? (laughs) Is that fair? And they only play 16 games in a regular season and maybe a playoff game or championship game in a good year. Is that fair? Even in a Super Bowl qualifying season, that works out to two and a half million dollars a game for just 60 minutes of football. Is that fair? He'll be earning more for one year of football than most people earn in their entire lifetime. Is Is that fair? Question mark, question mark, question mark? Well, it depends on your point of view, I suppose. (laughs) So instead of a vineyard owner, You be the judge for a minute, okay? You get to decide what's fair. Standing before your bench is a good church-going man. Uh, Put out of work by the COVID, he did some shady things to pay his bills and feed his family. He crossed over to the dark side, and he got caught. How would you handle it? I've got an idea. How about summers in, in heaven and the rest of the year in hell? That seems appropriate. After all, he did have plenty of good years. And he meant well, and he was probably kind to children and small animals. But what if he ends up being your heavenly neighbor, and summer in paradise comes and goes, and he never leaves? You end up living next door to a criminal. Well, rather, since it's in heaven, a former criminal. Fair or not fair? Remember the BTK killer? A confessed serial murderer who victimized dozens of women over a period of decades. Who showed them no mercy. Should he get time off hell because he also served as president of his Lutheran congregation? True story. Well, I guess if anything could save him. But then the victims would cry out from their graves, not fair. Old Testament faith was all about the law, it seemed like. In light of the New Testament, of course, it's filled with gospel. But back then they saw the law. The Jews would have called it justice, and God himself claims to be a just God. So what would that have meant for us? Well, it it, it meant that you could always determine what was right and what was wrong. It was all written down on two stone tablets. It was hard to make a mistake. The second thing it means is that if you were righteous, you could expect to be rewarded, and if you were unrighteous, you could expect to be punished. What could be fairer than that? But then what do you do with all the kinds of issues that fall outside of the lines? You know, the good and the bad, but the, the not all that good and not all that bad. You see, the law is not exactly fair either. If the righteous are rewarded and the, the, the unrighteous are punished, if the world could have, could have been saved by bookkeeping and settling, settling of accounts, God wouldn't have even had to send Jesus. He could have just sent Moses. But we know that all the law accomplished after some 1,500 years was to prove the truth of what Paul wrote in Romans 10, where he's quoting the psalmist, no one is righteous, not even one. Remember, this parable begins with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus is pointing out that God deals with us on the basis of his grace and love instead of on the basis of what we think is fair. If we complain about his generosity to others, then we're despising his grace. And if we insist that God reward us on the basis of merit, we're depriving ourselves of the abundant blessings of his grace. And the consequences of that extend from this world all the way into the next. That's what the cross is all about. It outweighs all our shortcomings. Its shadow covers all our faults. We can't be good enough on one hand to even come close to balancing out all our sins on the other. Those sins had to be removed. And that required some serious payback. The penalty for sin is death. When Jesus hung on that cross, it wasn't in payment for his own sins. It was for ours, yours, and mine. As the soldiers nailed him to that cross... God nailed all our sins and the IOUs we owed for them right there along with them. Paul tells us that in Colossians chapter 2. He says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. What an awesome uh, gospel promise that is, right? That's the good news. Christ bore the sins of every person who had ever lived and ever would live. Your sin and my sin on that cross at Calvary. Now, was it fair that Jesus had to suffer and die for us? Is it fair that a bank robber or a drug dealer might be your neighbor in heaven because maybe he suddenly saw the light? the heir of his way, and maybe confessed his sin and by faith embraced Jesus before he died? Is it fair that murderers and thieves and sinners uh, of all kinds receive the same absolution as Sunday school teachers and martyrs? It doesn't seem fair to us, but thank God that's the way it is. Thank God that he's generous and loving beyond fairness because in real life we're more like those reluctant workers who were hired last the on-again, off-again Johnny-come-latelys who reap the full benefits of Christ's redemption. What can we say about that? Except, you know, thanks be to God for his amazing grace. Amen. And now may that uh, very special peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.